is God's, all of us, all that we are. Our entire life is God's. Our spirit, our soul, our bodies, our wills, our emotion, it's all His. Now, when I say bear God's image, this is really, for me, where all the rubber meets the road when it comes to life, politics, and faith. When someone does work for you, they give you an invoice, a bill of what you owe them for the work they did. Well, today, Pastor Daniel shares that Jesus handcrafted everything about you, from your physical body to your soul to your interests and giftings. And his invoice is for all you are. You can serve God with your entire life. You'll learn that this is living out your faith at street level, giving God everything because you're part of his kingdom. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 22 as he continues his message, Know Thyself. Now, I want to put this under a fun heading for you. I would call this section, To Pay or Not to Pay. You notice I got me a little like Shakespearean thing. I had like, know thyself before, now I have to pay or not to pay. I can't bear the butter up. I'm only so Shakespearean. You know, I am Italian. But this is the question is, is to pay or like, what do we do at Caesar? Now, what we don't realize is that this is a highly controversial question. Because if you think about it, put it in context. The Jewish people were under Roman rule, and they had been for a serious amount of time. And so if Jesus says you should pay the poll tax, right, then what he's saying, he's saying we should be submitted to Rome, which would be a very anti-Israeli way to, to look at it. They would accuse him of not really loving the people of God or believing in the God of the Bible. And if he says you shouldn't pay, then of course he's leading a rebellion against the Roman Empire and that never lands good for anybody. So the Pharisees at this point, this to pay or not to pay scenario, they're like, we got this guy now. If he answers yes or no, he's busted. We got him. Either way, either people get mad at him or the Romans will come and kill him. So either way, we win. But notice Jesus in this to pay or not to pay reality. It says, but Jesus perceived their wickedness and said to them, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Oh, Jesus was a straight talker, wasn't he? When I first started reading the Bible, I'm all Italian from New Jersey. I love this Jesus. Because I remember when I was growing up, like when you grew up all Italian in New Jersey, you know, people always say, oh, people from New York, they're mean. I don't believe they're mean. They're just really honest. Like, they have no time to mess around. So as growing up, I remember you grow up, you'd be talking to someone, and they'd be like, listen, I just don't like you. So you can talk, but if I get annoyed, I'm just going to get up and leave. But I don't like you. And I grew up that way. So it's like when someone doesn't like you, at least you know where you stand. I moved out. I moved out to different places in the country, and people are so nice to you. They walk away. I hate that person. You think that you're their best friend. They walk away, and they're talking trash about you. Which way is actually more biblical? Actually, neither of them, really. Because you shouldn't just be rude, and in some ways that New York culture can be kind of offensively rude, but you definitely shouldn't be all nice to someone and then talk junk around their back. I mean, both of them are bad. But Jesus, he's perfect. He's calling, he's like, look, 
you guys are hypocrites. He's like, you guys are just, Jesus knows exactly what they're doing. He, he, and what's amazing is no one gave him the debate questions before he went up to talk. <laughs> like, he didn't get the forerunner of the debate questions at all. Where'd he come up with this from? Because he knows exactly what's going down and he calls them out on it. He calls them in. And then he, he says, finally, you can imagine this. Why do you test? What's your problem? You guys are hypocrites. Show me the tax money. He's like, you want to talk about taxes and Caesar? Show me the tax money. Bring me some money. So he brought him a denarius, which was the unit of money that they pay their taxes with, right? And then he says to them, whose image and inscription is it on this? And they say it's Caesar's. And if we were to be holding a Roman denarius from that day, on one side, it would have had the base picture of the emperor, and it would say, Tiberius Caesar, the son of the divine Augustus. And on the back side, it would say, Pontifex Maximus. So for a Jewish person, this money's got all sorts of idolatry on it. One, Tiberius Caesar, the son of the divine Augustus. He's saying, this is the son of God. Because his dad, Augustus, the Roman emperor, they worship the emperor as God. So that's what it says on one side. And then the other side is Pontifex Maximus, which we would translate as high priest. You realize why this is such a polarizing issue in Jesus' day. Because that coin was blasphemous. Why? Because their beliefs were that there was no other God other than the true and living God. You shouldn't make an image of that God. You shouldn't bow down and worship any other God. And everything about that coin screams out idolatry to a Jewish person in that day. But he says, bring me the money. And he looks at it. Whose image is this? Whose inscription is this? And they say Caesar's. Now, I want you to let that sit for a second. Because remember I said, Jesus gets to the heart of every issue by saying that he has asked the question, and he always follows with a question. Jesus is not willing to take the stuff that's on the periphery. He wants to get at the heart of the matter. They're like, so should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus says, okay, whose image and inscription is this? That's Jesus' response question to get to the heart of it. And they say, it's Caesar's. Now, look at how Jesus responds to this in verse 21. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar's the things that are Caesar, and to God, the things that are God's. He says, and when they heard these words, they marveled, and they left him, and they went their way. Jesus' response is, to call it brilliant is an understatement. Because what he does, he says, okay, you guys want to talk about the tax? Here's what I want to tell you. I want you to pay Caesar what you owe Caesar, and I want you to pay God what you owe God. Now, what does this teach us? This teaches us that you and I need to bear God's image. You need to bear God's image. See, what he's saying is, you guys are asking me about this tax situation. Well, guess what? The money, the government issues this money, right? I need to give them what's theirs. And he's saying, look, you give to the government your taxes, but you give to God what is his. What of ours is God's? All of us. All that we are, our entire life is God's. Our spirit, our soul, our bodies, our wills, our emotion, it's all his. Now, when I say bear God's image, this is really, for me, where all the rubber meets the road when it comes to life, politics, and faith. And here's the thing. Each one of us, we are all citizens 
of multiple kingdoms. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a citizen of heaven. And if you're an American citizen, you're a citizen of America. Or there's a lot of you who maybe have citizens of other lands. Some of you are dual citizens. So that means you have your three citizenships. We're praying for you. It's hard enough being two. But here's the thing. To real, I'm just going to throw all my cards out there. The kingdom of God trumps the kingdoms of this world. The kingdom of God is more important than the kingdom of America. And the problem that we are making as a people is we are allowing a broken world system that Jesus came to die and to redeem and to buy back. We're allowing it to define us by thinking that American politics is more important than the kingdom of God. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus had to die for that sin too. If you choose to believe the lies of this world and you make the American kingdom system more important than the ethics of the kingdom of God, then you are not a follower of Jesus. Why? Because the ethics of God's kingdom trumps the ethics of any earthly empire. Because if you read history, earthly empires come and go. But God's kingdom will never end. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I told you I was going to step on your toes today. Here's the deal. Do you know why this is so important? Because Jesus did not answer yes or no. Jesus said, listen, what you need to realize is that God utilizes the government for specific means, but God is still God. And yes, you pay your taxes. Because the government is there for a reason. The taxes pay for roads and all these different things. But you make sure you give to God what is his. And guess what? If you give to God what is rightfully his, the way that we deal with politics will look completely different than the way we're doing it right now. You know why? You know what God's purposes are? American politics' job is to win the next election. God's politics is to see heaven touch down to earth right where we live. That's how this works. And if your only concern is getting your favorite political person in the office, then I'm quite sure you're not thinking, how does heaven touch down? Because what does heaven touching down to earth look like? It looks like people who are in polar opposite camps coming together as one. It looks like a zealot and a tax collector, which in Jesus' culture was the most liberal and the most conservative person being on the same team, working side by side, even though they come from different places with different sets of values. Why? Because when heaven touched down, everything that is severed comes together in the cause of a greater vision. And I fear that for the people of God, we know that we should live differently, but we have completely bought in hook, line, and sinker to the way American 21st century politics work. And Jesus says, I'm not going to let you set the playing field. I'm going to set it a whole different way. And for too many of us, we failed because we allowed divisive American politics to trump the kingdom of Jesus. And brothers and sisters, it ought not to be so. We can't be those people. People who forget that Jesus is real and that God's kingdom is more important than a transitory earthly kingdom. That Jesus who never needs to get elected becomes subservient to someone who has to continually be reelected or has term limits. See, when Jesus says to them, show me the money, Whose image and inscription is this? Every single person there's brain should have fired 
with a very specific verse. Listen to Genesis chapter one, verses 26 and 27. It says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own what? Image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. See, what he's saying is that, listen, this money, this has got Caesar's image and inscription on it. And give him his. But guess what? You have my image and inscription on you. I want you. See, what Jesus is saying, you guys don't even get how this all works. You're focused on Rome, right? And Israel, I got a much bigger play that I'm working on, which is all the earth shouting the praises of God. And brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you, we give to the government our tax dollars. We give them our votes. Sometimes we give them our frustration and we protest. But guess what? If we give God what is rightfully his, however we do all that stuff, we'll still bring glory to God. Does this make sense? But if you choose the kingdoms of this world over the kingdom of God, you will divide everybody. That's what we learn. See, these two groups of people were divided, but they shouldn't have been. Why? Because if they were part of God's kingdom, they would have figured it out as family instead of needlessly dividing themselves over temporal things. Here's the deal. Every single one of us was created in the image and likeness of God. All of us are image bearers of God. But because of sin entering the world back in the Garden of Eden, and we've all inherited it from our parents and our parents' parents all the way back, all of God's image that we bear, it's a little warped by sin in all of our lives. You realize that I am a warped image bearer of God. And so are you. And that is exactly why we believe in Jesus. Because Jesus said, look, because of the fall of humanity, God's image is marred. It's not a perfect image. And that's why I love to say that we're all in process. Why? Because every single day, God is saying, I want to reshape you in Christ. I want to change the way that you are. Because this aspect of who you are, maybe the way you deal with politics or the way you deal with people who disagree with you or the way that you care for your body or whatever it is, this part is not an adequate image bearer of who I am. And so I want to do a work in your life. This is why Jesus is so important. Because Jesus came to restore God's good image and inscription to its rightful look and practice. So the beauty of this for each one of us, you want to know yourself? You need to see yourself as an image bearer of God. See, what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to compartmentalize life. What we do is we say, in some ways, we have the sacred and the secular. That's one way to divide it, right? We have my work life. We have my home life. We have my political beliefs. We have church. We have this, this. And we have a tendency, it's like, almost like a TV dinner. Someone shared this analogy with me. It's like a TV dinner where everything, you, know, you have your dessert, you have your protein, you have your starchy-like substance, you know, and all the stuff, you know. We want to put Jesus in like the pea. What you don't realize is that Jesus is the tray. 
That all of these roles that you have and all these things that you have, that is just on the surface. It's the tray. That's Jesus. And Jesus, there's no such thing as a secular sacred divide because if you are in Christ and you are a person who's living into the kingdom of God, you're saying, I want heaven to touch down in my life right here. It doesn't matter if it's my job. It doesn't matter if it's my house. It doesn't matter if it's my politics. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that heaven touched down because I am a citizen of a kingdom and my Heavenly citizenship drives my earthly citizenships, not vice versa. God wants you to be a very clear image bearer of him and his kingdom in this world. So here's the deal. Because we can't go back and redo the way we handled the politics of this most recent election but we can learn and move forward. Because you notice, the way Jesus responded here, they didn't even know what to say to him. You see, they say, and when they had heard these words, they marveled and they left him and they went their way. You know why? Because Jesus didn't take the bait. He didn't fall into the divide. He said, no, no, there's a whole other way to be. I'm not advocating not having passionate political beliefs. Why? Because Anybody who has a political belief, it's always passionate. What I'm advocating is allowing your faith and trust in Jesus to modulate and temper your passionate political beliefs so that you do not find yourself unable to be an instrument of Jesus's peace in the world. See, because you know what the fruit of the Spirit is? Love. Joy. Peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And know what I see when I look at Christians when they're passionate about politics? None of those things. What it means is that you want to respond to someone's snarky political thing on Facebook and you exercise self-control and you say, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to do that. Maybe I'm just going to stop and pray. When someone says something you don't like, instead of getting angry at them, you say, hey, can we talk about it? I don't know if I agree with you, but can we talk about it? Instead of, you idiot. See, here's the deal. I don't expect people who do not believe in Jesus to get this stuff. You know why? Because you have no cultural example or the presence of the Holy Spirit to teach you these things. But if you're here today, hold on, don't clap. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, I absolutely expect that from you. Why? Because I want you to simply respond to Jesus and stop being knuckleheads. Seriously. We need to get this because Jesus died and rose again that we would be his hands and feet in the world. And we need to be his hands and feet in the world because with the head that is leading the world today, and I'm not talking about a I'm talking about the whole system, we have no hope as a people if the people of God can't get it right. And I believe that Jesus is inviting all of us to be changed. And that begins with me. He wants each one of us to take the next step with him. What is Jesus inviting you into today? How is he inviting you to be 
different than you were this morning, different than you were yesterday? How is he inviting you to love people you don't agree with and serve people who don't have the things that you have or help people when they need help? How is Jesus inviting you to do it? Will you simply respond to Jesus and just do it? Because if we are the people of God, then we need to be the people of God. And what I believe with the bottom of my heart is that God can transform any one of us. That's been my experience. I've seen what God has done in my life. I've seen what God has done in so many of your lives. Radical changes. The most mean-spirited people weeping and crying, helping people. It's awesome to watch. Why? Because when God gets a little room, he can change everything. My prayer for us as a people is that we bear God's image in this world. That when people see the people who follow Jesus, they would say, I may not agree with them, but those are the most loving, truthful, kind, peaceful peacemakers, gentle, faithful people I've ever met. And I'm here to tell you right now, they ain't saying that. But God's not finished yet. Will you allow yourself and your life to be the scene where heaven touches down, even in the midst of a divisive political climate? Even in the midst of people with differing beliefs, all jockeying to get their beliefs into law? Will you be the people of God? I think if you're here today and you've already put your faith and trust in Jesus, then what's God putting his finger on right now? Maybe you need to go apologize to people who you unfriended on Facebook because they got mad. Or you got to go back to your family members and say, look, even though I don't agree with you, we are family, so I'm sorry for being a jerk to you. That's a great step. That's a healthy step. That's what repentance is, is when you change your mind and you go in another direction. Maybe if you're a believer in Jesus, you need to start to render to Caesars what Caesars and God's what God's. You need to say, Lord, I want to give you my whole life. All that's within me, I'm giving to you again. My body, my soul, my mind, my emotions, my will, it's all yours, God. How would you have me live? And if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to allow Jesus to be who God created him to be in your life that your life can be transformed by Jesus. Not only will he forgive you of your sins, he will also fill you with his Holy Spirit, that he will change you from the inside out. See, Christianity is not some self-help thing where you do this bad thing, you don't do it anymore. God wants to do an inside work that leads outward. The only way you will ever properly bear God's image in this world is to be a follower of Jesus. Because without it, you will never be able to have the lens of the Spirit of God to show you where the warping is in your life. It's only through the work of the Spirit. I would never know I was as backward as I am unless the Spirit of God revealed it to me. But God wants to do that, not because He wants to show you how bad you are. He wants to lead you in the way of everlasting. He wants to do a work that is an eternal work, not just a temporal thing. It's something that begins now and it leads on into eternity. But you have to put your faith and trust in Jesus in order for it to happen. So brothers and sisters, let's be God's image in this world. Amen. Jesus is... 
Today, Pastor Daniel wrapped up this teaching by challenging you to be God's image in this world. Because you're unique and on a different step in your faith journey, that will look different for you than for someone else. But at a core level, God wants the same for each of us, to be a light in the darkness, a shining example of his love and truth to the watching world. So connect with him and say yes to the next steps he's showing you. It's going to be worth it. Hey, everybody. I want to invite you to join me in reaching people with the message that Jesus is real. Would you pray about partnering with us in the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio? Your support in this way helps us to keep sharing God's word and helps us reach more and more people. Thank you for considering partnering. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio and Pastor Daniel helps you understand a passage where Jesus talks about the resurrection. A religious group called the Sadducees had asked him a question about marriage and the afterlife. But as Pastor Daniel will point out, this isn't the main point. They're getting bogged down by the details. He'll encourage you to focus on the things that Jesus emphasized. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. As Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Real Talk. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.